0: We need to not be afraid to acknowledge the expertise resident in our learners. We need to give our learners opportunities to share their experiences and to draw on those experiences as they engage in our products and services. I'm Salisa Steele.
1: I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 364, which revisits adult learning theory. This is an encore airing of a popular episode from our archives, so I guess we could say we are re-revisiting adult learning theory. We're circling back to this topic again because if we had to pick one thing essential to the success of a learning business, we'd argue it would be the learning experiences themselves, the products and services being offered. Those learning experiences are at the core of what that learning business does. And of course, to create and sell effective learning experiences, a learning business needs a solid understanding of adult learning theory. So here's the recap of key tenets of adult learning theory, which originally aired in July 2019. And please note that we refer to the old episode number in the audio a number of places, but you'll find the latest and greatest show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com episode three, six, four.
0: Jeff, if you had to pick just one thing as the crux of the success of a learning business, what would that one thing be?
1: Well, I think I'd go with the learning experiences, the products and services actually offered.
0: Yeah, I think I would too, and and I think the learning experiences that learning businesses design, develop, and deliver are the crux. They're the essence of what those learning businesses do. Not that great learning experiences are enough alone, but they are a really important, fine starting point.
1: Right. I mean, there are definitely other aspects that are important, and we've mentioned what we see as the other key domains, strategy, leadership marketing and capacity, um, those are part of our learning business maturity model. But the learning experiences or uh, the portfolio, as we call it in the maturity model, those are just undeniably critical.
0: Yeah. So given that, it seems high time that we dedicate an episode of the Leading Learning Podcast to adult learning theory, because to design, to develop, and to deliver meaningful, effective learning experiences, we have to understand adult learning theory.
1: And of course, we know that for many of our listeners, adult learning theory is nothing new, but we've found it helpful to periodically revisit the principles of adult learning and revisit them particularly with an eye to how those principles apply to the decisions that we make about our products and services.
0: Right. So let's jump in and let's start by covering the six main points of adult learning theory
1: but before we get to those six points we we should say a bit about their source so The six points that uh, we'll get to come from the work of Malcolm Knowles, and Knowles was born in in 1913 and and died in 1997, and he's very often called the father of andragogy. pedagogy, uh, which is a more common term, deals with teaching children, and andragogy is a continuation or extension of pedagogy, and and it deals with adult learning. then in 1973, Knowles published The Adult Learner, which is really a classic in the field of adult learning.
0: Yeah. So, so thanks, Jeff, because giving Knowles a mention and his due credit in an episode about adult learning theory is definitely good and proper. And in The Adult Learner, that book that you just mentioned, Knowles outlines six main points about adult learning. First is the need to know, meaning adults need to know why they need to learn something. The second point deals with the learner's self-concept. Adult learners expect to be responsible for their own decisions. Third, the learner's experiences play an important role. So what adult learners know and have done already impacts how they learn.
1: So those are the first three points. And then the remaining three are readiness to learn. Uh, So adults become ready to learn when they need to know or do something in their life. Um, That's number four. Number five is orientation to learning. So adults are life-centered, or you could say task or problem-centered, rather than subject or topic-centered. And then six, and finally, motivation. Internal motivators are are more effective than external ones with adult learners. In fact, that's true, really, of all learners, probably.
0: And so those are the six points, and what we're going to do during the rest of this episode is unpack the first three points and look at their implications. That is, how learning businesses might use those points to guide the design, development, and delivery of their learning products and services for
1: adult learners. And we'll note that we do, in fact, cover all six principles in depth in An Essential Guide to Andragogy for Learning Businesses, which is a post on the Leading Learning blog that we'll be sure to link to in the show notes. And we thought that covering all six today would make for uh, definitely a long episode. So like Salisa said, we'll discuss just the first three.
0: As someone who listens to the Leading Learning podcast, you should know about the Leading Learning newsletter, which you can subscribe to at leadinglearning.com/inbox. The newsletter is inbox intelligence for learning businesses and helps you understand the latest technology, marketing, and learning trends, and grow your learning business. Best of all, it's a free resource. As a subscriber, you get leading links, our monthly curated collection of resources to help you grow the reach revenue and impact of your learning business, the podcast digest, a monthly summary of podcast episodes released during the previous month, plus periodic announcements highlighting leading learning webinars and other educational opportunities designed to benefit learning business professionals. Subscribe for free at leadinglearning.com inbox. And if you're already subscribed, point a colleague to leadinglearning.com
1: inbox. And now let's move on to some analysis of the first point of adult learning theory, the need to know.
0: So Knowles asserted that adults need to know why they need to learn something before undertaking to learn it. So that's a quote from the adult learner book. Um, And I think that a lot of listeners might have heard this principle uh, phrased as, what's in it for me?
1: Right, the old whiffum, Or sometimes, you know, I boil it down to just start with why, and this why point seems obvious. But you know, too often, at least in my experience, this principle is skipped over or, or only partially embraced. Yeah,
0: I'd say in my experience too.
1: There, there you go. And you know, and letting this point guide you means beginning, as you might expect from us, with your marketing, and that means not promotion only, but a marketing approach that encompasses all four P's. And if you're unsure of what the other P's uh, are besides promotion, luckily for you, Salisa and I recently focused a podcast episode on the four P's. So be sure to check out the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 194, which will include a link to the four P's episode as well as some other goodies.
0: So embracing this point also begins with doing the tracking, listening, and asking that's necessary to understand what your learners need to know. And if you're um, doing that homework to discover the learner's needs up front, then the learning experiences you create will be grounded in this first point that adult learners need to know why they need to learn whatever the topic or skill at hand is.
1: And we have a framework called the Market Insight Matrix that will help you structure your tracking, your listening, and asking efforts in a way that's sustainable over the long haul. So again, check the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com episode 194 for a link to the matrix.
0: And so once you answer the why, and, and therefore you have some assurance that you're making the right products and services... You're still not done with this point about adult uh, learners needing to know why. You also have to communicate the why to the learners. So as you deliver a learning experience, you want to overtly tie the, the content or the skills you're teaching back to the outcomes and positive change that you know the learners are, are looking for.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And And to help you do that as you design and develop a learning experience and the promotions for it, you want to ask questions like, what are the outcomes learners will be able to achieve based on this learning experience? What positive change will we help them create? And then, you know, you communicate those answers to the learners in the promotions that will hopefully convince them to sign up. And then, of course, during the learning experience itself.
0: And probably even more importantly, you want to help learners make such connections for themselves because they're going to be better able than you are to make the why of any learning experience more meaningful and specific to them so you just need to encourage them and give them the cognitive space to make those connections and okay so what do i mean by cognitive space and encouragement Um, those might take the shape of simple reflection questions so just asking for example what are your biggest challenges with pricing That happens to be something, uh, Jeff, you and I um, asked both before and during a recent webinar um, that we held on pricing educational products.
1: Yeah, and if you ask reflection questions like that, it's really important to give the learners some quiet time to think and jot down notes um, or an opportunity to, to share in pairs or small groups, you know, and I mean, sometimes uh, silence scares facilitators and and instructors, we've found, but it's actually a really powerful tool in learning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A little silence is key if you actually want people to do something like reflecting or or taking notes. It's really, really hard for someone to think while a presenter is still talking. Um, You can also take a more scaffolded approach to connecting the learning to the why. And so to do that, you might draw on real-world examples or more formal case studies that show how a concept has played out for an individual or an organization.
1: There's a quotation from uh, Ellen Langer's excellent book, The Power of Mindful Learning, that I think applies here. And Langer wrote, there are two ways a teacher can make facts or ideas seem personally important. The most common approach is to shape or interpret ideas so that their relation to the lives, interest, and curiosity of the majority of the students is readily apparent. And when critics of education clamor for relevance, they're usually speaking of this sort of relevance. The second approach is to change students' attitudes toward the material, that is, to teach students to make the material meaningful to themselves.
0: Yeah. So I think that quotation perfectly sums up this idea that there's both work we can do to um, call out the connection to to life and work um, about the learning, but then also helping our learners make those connections for themselves. And Jeff, I know you had the good fortune of speaking to Ellen Langer for the podcast. So we'll make sure to include a link to that interview in the show notes for this episode that you'll be able to find at leadinglearning.com slash episode 194. And so with that, we'll kind of conclude our look at that first point, adults need to know why they need to learn something, and we can move on to the second point. And here's how Knowles explained this second point, point. and this is a somewhat lengthy quotation from his book, The Adult Learner, again. He writes, Adults have a self-concept of being responsible for their own decisions, for their own lives. They resent and resist situations in which they feel others are imposing their wills on them. This presents a serious problem in adult education. The minute adults walk into an activity labeled education, training, or anything synonymous, they hark back to their conditioning in their previous school experience, put on their dunce hats of dependency, fold their arms, sit back, and say, Teach (laughs) me.
1: And I I just have to say that uh, Dunce Hats of Dependency is a a wonderful image. uh,
0: Even if it's completely undesirable, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not what we're hoping for, though. We see it far too often. You know, Noel's pointed to a huge problem that we face as learning businesses. Sometimes our learners are just flat out resistant, you know, whether consciously or unconsciously. They expect to be treated as dependents because that's what they got used to in their education early on, and then they sit and wait to be spoon-fed.
0: Right, and, and so it's true that many adult learners don't expect to be asked to be full participants in learning experiences, and that has at least two implications. I mean, first, adult learners don't necessarily come to learning experiences knowing how to be active, self-directed learners. And in fact, two years after The Adult Learner first came out, Knowles publishes a book called Self-Directed Learning, A Guide for Learners and Teachers. And this was a practical primer that he authored to help fill that knowledge gap, to help show learners how to direct their own learning and help show teachers how to support learners' self direction.
1: Yeah, and that, that book tends to be much less well known than The Adult Learner, but uh, for listeners who aren't familiar with it, uh, definitely, definitely highly recommend uh, checking out The, the Self Directed or Self Directed Learning. Um, you know, a, a second implication here is that learner engagement among adults can really suffer, um, which is why we see so much attention on engagement and engagement tactics we hear about that all the time and you know to address both these implications that our adult learners don't necessarily expect to be full participants and that even when they are willing they don't necessarily know how to participate fully you know how to direct their own learning choice becomes really critical
0: yeah so being responsible implies making choices So it's really important for us to offer options and how learners can engage with our content. That may mean offering the same content in different formats, so maybe having an audio and a video and a text option for each of the major points in a learning experience
1: or it could mean offering different ways of interacting with the content you know say offering a self-paced course and a synchronous course just for an easy example or it might mean providing additional resources and readings or an online community or listservs so the learners can decide how deep to go on a topic or frankly just to opt to remain shallow if that's what works for them at the time so it's important that learning businesses think about what choices they can provide learners and then provide them.
0: And above and beyond what can be done for a slice of content or a particular course, you know, a learning business could opt to look at overarching resources that, that will support their customers in becoming effective, self-directed learners. Um, at the less scaffolded end of a spectrum there, you might point your um, learners to resources like that self-directed learning uh, book by Knowles that we just mentioned, or or Jeff, you have a book, Ten Ways to Be a Better Learner. And then at a more highly scaffolded end, you know, I could imagine a learning business creating a service to help learners identify their personal needs and then create, an individualized learning plan.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the more your learners are able to connect their own answer to why learn this to the learning experience, the more, the more they're going to value that, uh, that learning experience. And, you know, in that sense, self-directed learning ties to the work of behavioral economists like Dan Ariely, for instance, who described the phenomenon that labor enhances affection for its results. Uh, He described that as the IKEA effect. And of course, you know, folks may be familiar that uh, IKEA sells a lot of um, some assembly required products. And they've been very successful at it, uh, really because they are some assembly required.
0: Yeah. So I think Ikea and Arielli and Knowles are all getting at the same principle that we value what we have a hand in, what we're responsible for. And, you know, whether that's a, a chair or a bookshelf that we put together ourselves, or it's an aha moment that we have in a workshop about how we can apply the concept to the work and the, the tasks that we're responsible for. All of that is deeply satisfying.
1: So let's call that a wrap on point two, I think, um, that uh, adult learners expect to be responsible. And let's move on to the third and final point that we're going to cover today.
0: And now on to that third point of adult learning theory, which deals with experience. Actually, learners of all ages bring their past experience to any situation, and that experience then determines what and how they learn. But adults, simply by virtue of being older than children, bring more years of experience.
1: Yes, and it's not only a question of quantity of experience increasing with age, variance increases too. You know, Standards in the US public school system exist to ensure, at least in theory, that for example, my second grader finishes the year with a common set of skills and knowledge that's gonna be shared by second graders in other schools. With adult learners, it's much harder to know what skills and knowledge will be mutual. And Knowles wrote, any group of adults will be more heterogeneous in terms of background, learning style, motivation, needs, interest, and goals than is true of a group of youths.
0: And this is an issue of, of prior knowledge, uh, and, and it poses, I think, both um, a problem and an opportunity. So the, the problem is that we as providers of learning have to do the work to make sure we position learning experiences appropriately. That's gonna help adult learners know which of our offerings are are a fit for them. So that might mean labeling offerings as intended for novices um, or as intended for those with intermediate knowledge and skills or labeling them as, as for experts. It might also mean making use of Pre-assessments and prerequisites. It could also mean assigning pre-work so that all learners come to a, a particular course or seminar or workshop with some shared baseline knowledge.
1: Yeah, and you know we've done that with some of our events, uh, putting out a list uh, or a handful of books and articles, what we call our emphatically recommended readings, and and then encouraging registrants to read them before showing up. And you know we did that with the express goal of doing some levels. Setting basically of trying to make sure that a diverse group of learners have some shared concepts, some shared vocabulary, and examples.
0: So, those are things we can do before a learning experience. Once learners are at or otherwise engaged in a learning experience, having hopefully picked the one appropriate for their prior knowledge. Then we need to work to draw out their experience and expertise. Um, I'm going to quote Knowles again. Uh, he writes, For any kind of learning, the richest resources for learning reside in the adult learners themselves. Now note, he doesn't just say good resources, but the richest resources for learning.
1: Yeah, and you know, experiential techniques like you know group discussion case-based and problem-based activities, simulations and hands-on practice, those can elicit learners' prior knowledge exponentially better than transmittal techniques like lecture and presentation. You know, transmittal techniques tend to let folks sit back, cross their arms and say, teach me, uh, which, you know, as we've already discussed, isn't isn't nearly as effective.
0: You know, and I think sometimes we as learning businesses can get caught up in the desire to look like we have all the answers, even if we don't. Um, But that's really a mistake. I mean, we need to not be afraid to acknowledge the expertise resident in our learners. We need to give our learners opportunities to share their experiences and to draw on those experiences as they engage in our products and services.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, peer learning is another great option for drawing out the experience and expertise of learners. Um, There's the potential for one learner's experience to directly help another learner, and there's the potential for a learner's experience to help her learn better herself through elaboration, one of the learning strategies that was showcased in Make It Stick, the science of successful learning. you know, Relating material to what you know already is a common approach to elaboration, so, you know, Drawing on our learners' experiences represents a great opportunity and not drawing on them really represents a a danger. You know, as, as Knowles put it, to children, experience is something that happens to them. To adults, experience is who they are. The implication of this fact for adult education is that in any situation in which the participants' experiences are ignored or devalued, adults will perceive this as rejecting not only their experience but rejecting themselves as persons.
0: So that's a real danger that the, the learners would feel rejected as people. And there's a, a second danger inherent in, in prior knowledge. Even when we as learning providers acknowledge and and draw it out, prior experience can bring the curse of knowledge, Um, it can bring biases, it can bring uh, inappropriate expectations. And so we have to work um, to position our offerings and to deliver them in ways that seek to surface and address those unconscious tendencies. And, and, And in fact, I think our most important work with adult learners may sometimes be helping them unlearn.
1: That's it for our look at the implications and applications of three of the main points of adult learning theory. For show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 364, where you'll find a full transcript and links to sources we mentioned in this episode, including an essential guide to andragogy for learning businesses, where you'll get a look at six points of adult learning theory.
0: At leadinglearning.com slash episode 364, you'll also see options for subscribing to the podcast. And we'd be grateful if you would subscribe if you haven't yet as those subscriptions give us some insight into the impact of the podcast.
1: We'd also be grateful if you would rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you find the Leading Learning Podcast valuable. So Lisa and I personally would appreciate it, and ratings and reviews help us show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Just go to leadinglearning.com Apple to leave a rating.
0: Lastly, please help us grow the Leading Learning community. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 364, there are links to find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or simply recommend us to a colleague in a conversation.
1: Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.